0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives
1: as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the the through-the-Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we look at the last days of Gideon. More is written about him than about any other judge of Israel. So we hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Judges chapter 8 on Simply the Bible.
0: More is written about Gideon than about any other judge in Israel. God took a farmer who was hiding his grain from the enemy, the Midianites, and God made him a mighty man of valor. Whenever God uses someone, there are always those around him or her who want to exalt the instrument that God has used. But that person is only an instrument. Say you see an artist painting a beautiful masterpiece, would you glorify the brush or the artist who made the painting? So it is that people often exalt the instrument rather than the maker, our God. We pick it up in Judges 8.22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. For the first time in Israel, the people were suggesting that someone would be king, and not only king, but would have a dynasty. The Lord told Moses that the day would come when Israel would want to be like every other nation and have their own king. Deuteronomy seventeen fourteen says, When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you, And possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Now, God giving Moses the instructions for when they would have a king was not God's perfect will. God's perfect will was that they would have a theocracy, but it was a concession understanding that they would want to be like all the other nations and have a king that they could see. Now, in one sense, we can understand why the people at this time would request this. The various judges ruling in Israel had not proven to be very effective in leading the entire nation. Judges would lead in certain areas, but not over the entire nation. And the religious revival that they would bring would be very short-lived. After the judge died, there was no succession, and the people quickly resorted to idolatry. So they saw in Gideon and in his sons the possibility of solving this problem and continuing the rule from one generation to the next. But the problem was they were giving credit of being delivered from Midian to Gideon rather than to the Lord. Now, you'll recall the reason that God reduced Gideon's troops from 32,000 to 300 was that so no one would take credit for the victory that he had given. Now, Israel was giving the credit to Gideon for delivering them from Midian. People so often want to put people on a pedestal. Charles Spurgeon was known as the Prince of Preachers. And on one occasion, following a particularly brilliant sermon, an admirer told him, Mr. Spurgeon, you were wonderful. He replied, Madam, the devil whispered those same words in my ear as I left the pulpit. Proverbs twenty-seven twenty-one says, Fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but a person is tested by being praised. When people praise us for a job well done, I wonder if they realize that they are being used to test us. We may not be able to control what people think or say about us, but we can keep their praise from going to our head. We can keep from believing our own press. It's been said that flattery is like perfume. Sniff it, but don't drink it. Verse 23, but Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Now, to Gideon's credit, he refused their request. Gideon knew that their government was a theocracy, and even though it hadn't been operating the way it should, it wasn't God's fault. God was willing to be their king to provide for all their needs and to protect them from all their enemies. But the people stubbornly refused to worship the Lord only and to keep his covenant. Their theocracy broke down because they wouldn't submit to their king. Verse 24, Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, We will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment, and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold, besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, which were on the kings of Midian and besides the chains that were around their camels' necks. Now, at first reading, Gideon's request seems reasonable. After all, he led the nation into war, and the soldier is worthy of payment. But this is a different attitude than we see in Abraham when he returned from defeating the kings of the east, and the king of Sodom came out to him and offered to give him payment, and Abraham wouldn't even take a sandal strap from the king of Sodom, lest anybody could say that they had made Abraham rich. Gideon wanted to get some payment, and the golden earrings from the Ishmaelites weighed over 50 pounds. Quite a handsome sum. In addition, from the two Midianite kings that Gideon killed, he received ornaments, pendants, robes, and chains, that were around the necks of the camels. You might say that this was the bonus package for the CEO. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. So what may have seemed like an okay idea, that is collecting the gold, when he made it into a golden ephod, It ended up being a stumbling block to Israel as well as to Gideon and his family. Now, why would Gideon do this to begin with? Why would he melt down the gold into an ephod? Well, first off, what is an ephod? We know that according to the law, God told them that they were to make a fine linen ephod with golden thread and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, that was to be worn only by the high priest while he ministered before the Lord in the tabernacle. In the pouch of the breastplate of the ephod was the Urim and the Thummim, by which the people who inquired of the Lord could receive an answer from the Lord. Although Gideon denied being king, did he consider himself to be a priest? Did he think that he could inquire directly of God because God had revealed himself to Gideon? And maybe it was because that people just weren't going to the tabernacle in Shiloh. Now, perhaps this is how Israel also played the harlot with the ephod. Not necessarily that they bowed down to it as though it were some kind of an idol, but that they set it up as an alternative method to going to the priest at the tabernacle in Shiloh. Instead, they went to the ephod whenever they had a question of God and thought that they could inquire of him directly. It seems that many people desire to take upon themselves the call to the ministry. Now, in Christ, in one sense, we're all ministers because whatever it is that we do, we do as unto the Lord. But there are those who are in the full-time ministry that were never really called to that. God never called them to that. They aspired to a position and they got what they sought, but they're not doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're doing it in their own strength because they were never placed there by God. This golden ephod even became a snare to Gideon and his family. Gideon started out well, but he did not finish well. And how often that is the case for those who have been mightily used of God. As they grow older, they yield to their flesh. Noah planted a vineyard and got drunk from the wine. David enjoyed rest from war a bit too much and then committed adultery and murder. Solomon, though he was wiser than any man who ever lived, took foreign wives and worshiped their gods. May God help us in our later years not to indulge in the sins we abhorred when we were younger. Verse 28, Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more, and the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Through Gideon's faithfulness to fight the Lord's battles, the people enjoyed rest for 40 years. They were indebted to Gideon for bringing them rest and peace from their enemies. And we are indebted to Jesus Christ for bringing us rest in the Lord and peace with God. He also protects us from the evil one. Then Jerubbaal the son of Joash, that is Gideon, went and dwelt in his own house. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And his concubine, who was in Shechem, also bore him a son, whose name he called Abimelech. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abiazrites. Now Gideon refused to be named a king, but really he lived like a king. He had 70 sons from various wives and even a concubine. And the son of his concubine, he named Abimelech, which means my father is a king now it's interesting that despite gideon's declaration that neither he nor his sons would be king abimelech would grow up and see himself as being a king so it was as soon as gideon was dead that the children of israel again played the harlot with the Baals and made baal Berith their god thus the children of israel did not remember the lord their god Who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. The tragic end to this story was that even though Gideon brought a mighty deliverance from Midian, he did not successfully bring revival to the nation. And because the people never really turned to the Lord in earnest, There was no memory of what God did for them, nor was there any loyalty to Gideon and his family. Another judge passed from the scene, and there was no lasting change among the people. This is what makes this book of Judges so depressing.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the through-the-Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we will see where Abu Malik, the son of Gideon's concubine, forms a conspiracy against his brothers to become king. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Judges on Simply the Bible.